And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Sue Frederick, author, channel, clairvoyant, claircognizant, and clairaudient who uses sacred numerology and mystical information to facilitate access into a divine's lens to heal your life. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, CNN.com, Real Simple, Yoga Journal, and more. Sue, thank you for joining me and welcome. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Jeff. You have an amazing show. I'm happy to be your guest. Well, as we were talking earlier, I just want to start with my big awakening in this lifetime because I think all of the listeners who've had some grief and loss can relate to my story. I was 29. I was a happy Colorado girl climbing mountains, and I actually worked for Outward Bound, leading these big groups of mountain of regular people up these 14,000 foot peaks. Felt invincible, and I was married to a beautiful mountain climbing man named Paul Frederick, and we both thought life was about overcoming challenges and being courageous. That's all true, but there are other parts to it, as we found out. He was having some stomach problems, and and pretty soon when he got a proper diagnosis, they gave him two weeks to live with colon cancer, and we were in shock, and we said, no way, and we went to alternative healers. We did more conventional healing stuff. We went to Native American healers. That was the most profound experience. And Paul died in my arms a year after he was diagnosed. So I was turning 30 that summer, and I had major questions for the universe. Why do beautiful, sweet, good, loving people suffer the way Paul had suffered with cancer? And he was so young, and all of our future dreams of family were gone, and at an age of turning 30, when all my friends were getting married and having babies, I was suddenly seeing through the veil between the worlds and feeling Paul with me. He took me on a shared death experience. He was showing me that there is no death, death is not the end, and that his spirit was shining strong on the other side, teaching me all kinds of things from the moment he crossed. So how was I to fit into the world then, especially as we moved into the 80s, the time of power and career and money? And I felt like a some sort of bizarre mystic who needed to figure out a way to live on a mountaintop and connect to spirit and meditate all day, but I needed to pay the rent. So I started studying and numerology was the first gift that was given me because a friend was worried about me. On my shared death experience, Paul had taken me out of my body when he crossed, and he lifted me into the divine and showed me the shimmering quality of the physical world, that nothing was solid, everything was energy, that his spirit was eternal, mine was eternal, and that that was the only truth. And I couldn't get quite back into my body for weeks. Like I couldn't eat. I saw the divine order in everything that was happening, as strange as that seems. Um, we hiked up to the highest lake in North America to spread Paul's ashes. He had requested that. It was just outside of Breckenridge. And suddenly I found myself with friends camping out under the stars and I felt Paul's grace bringing us to nature to heal our souls, to heal our hearts. And that mountaintop where we distributed his ashes was probably one of the most beautiful meadows I've ever seen. It was at 13,000 feet, had 14,000 foot peaks feeding snow and water into this beautiful lake, mountain flowers everywhere. I knew Paul was sacred and in a great place. And I got back to town and my question was, why am I here? Why do I have to stay? Why are any of us here in this physical world? This place is pretty awful. People suffer, people die. You have to make a living. What's the point? And a friend showed up 
and she was a numerologist and she sat with me for an hour and explained my soul mission according to numerology <clears throat> where i was and my reinvention points paul's soul mission and our soul agreement and she basically said you signed up for this and you have work to do. You agreed to stay and get some work done to help shift consciousness. Now, get on with it, girl. And I somehow needed to hear that. And I became obsessed with numerology then. So I'm honored to say that for more than 40 years, I have worked with and studied and intuited numerology. And I make my living from it. And I have for more than 20 years. Um, but, you know, it was a hard journey for me because like many listeners, I was very left brain practical. I was a mountain climber. You know, you had to pay attention to all these left brain physical world realities. And so switching to completely trust my intuition, my intuition had always been powerful, but so much so that it kind of scared me. And here it was scaring me again. <laughs> Like, how do I be in the physical world when Paul is standing right beside me now and he's in spirit? And um, so it took me a little while to believe that I could survive here in the physical by really trusting my intuition, trusting my spirit, talking about numerology and using my sacred gifts to heal and help people and at the same time make a living. So numerology taught me that no matter what our lives look like here on earth, the soul has a reason for it. And the soul looks at it all completely differently than our physical minds and our left brain logic brains. And we have to shift into that higher self to really get our guidance, our map. And that is called intuition. It's called sacred process. It's called meditation. It's called quieting the monkey mind. And the Buddhist and the Hindus understood that thousands of years ago, that we have to quiet that monkey mind in order to open our heart and move forward. So the type of numerology that you practice is sacred numerology. How is that different from traditional one? Well, you know, over the years, it has evolved with my work because at first I started doing it the way I read about it. Back in 1980, there was one book I could find on numerology and there was no internet. And I think that was good because then I had to do my own research and I created a notebook and I would find out everybody's date of birth and, and their name and figure out their numerology. And by doing that, you know, I would kind of put my hand on it and go, well, how can they be on an eight path? They don't make any money. What does that mean? And so by questioning it all myself and going on the learning journey of, I need to figure out what this means and how to understand it, spirit really just started teaching me. And to my real teacher became my dreams at night. I would wake up going, Oh, wow. I was just with a spirit and they were explaining what the seven path is really about. And then even more recently, George Harrison came to me at night and took me on this amazing boat ride and talked to me about numerology and how we can use it to remember our mission here. So I've had a lot of teachers step in and they all add to the flavor of it. But what I can say is this. Numerology, when you look at it my way, is a sacred art because I'm not saying that numbers have all this power and we are sort of victims to it. My approach is our soul was hanging out in the divine realms, heaven, whatever you want to call it. And my soul said, hey, Sue, in this lifetime, you need to build up your inner strength and your outer strength. You've kind of played around in some other lives we really recommend you take that four path, which is all about strength and work and responsibility. And my soul went, oh, can I make it a little more inspired? And they went, all right, you can kick it up to the 22-4 master soul path. But boy, it's going to be a heck of a ride. And so my soul, I went to my guides and I said, do you think I can do this? And if I do, will it be helping humanity? Will it help me? 
And they said, yeah, but you know, it's, you got to really, you got to overcome a lot of stuff and keep looking for the light. You have to use your courageous heart to get through this. And I went, okay. And I bravely jumped in (laughs) and that's how we all do it. We choose our path because it offers for us the perfect lesson, the perfect challenge, the perfect gifts for not only our own evolution, but everyone around us, our soul posse. We all get together and we go, I'm going to go in on this path. Okay, I'll go in on this path. Hey, we'll push each other. We'll hurt each other. We'll love each other. And it'll all be for the purpose of growth of our spiritual wisdom, learning to open our hearts and love more and embrace the invisible realms as more real than the physical. What you said is something that I never thought about before. In pre-birth choosing, we choose our time and date of birth, and that can affect us in numerology and in astrology. Everything. And the soul chooses it. There's no accidents. Even if you have a um, doctor scheduling a um, cesarean for you, doesn't matter. The soul of that child is moving the doctor's pen and picking that date because the soul is in charge of their, our first breath here and our final breath here in the body. In what way is the soul in charge of the final breath? Yeah, that's the question everybody asks. And that's the question everyone has trouble with. And I totally respect that. It's taken me many decades to be comfortable with this and to know that it's true, that I work with so many grieving parents. And I have to say, I believe they're the most enlightened souls on earth because they agree to the most painful devastation. Many of these moms call it their shattering. I love that word. They say, I was living this normal life, loved my children, had a wonderful family, and all of a sudden my young child died or or was in a car accident or even took their own life, and suddenly their world shatters. Well, according to spiritual tradition, that's a very powerful, potent moment of soul awakening on earth. And it's a great opportunity, a great gift, because in that shattering, ah, we breathe into our soul more deeply than ever. We go, what is this life about? We quit accepting any kind of dogma that doesn't resonate with us as true, And we go on our own seeking journeys to figure out an answer. For example, many of my moms, their young, their beautiful young children took their own life. And many of these moms had raised them in Christianity and they were deeply immersed in their church. And the first thing that happens to the moms, they're told that their child is probably going to go to hell because they took their own life. Can you imagine that? A pastor saying that? to a grieving mom. And so rightfully so, the mom goes, I know in my heart that isn't true. And they begin to connect to their child in spirit and their life changes incredibly. Death and grief call us to trust the invisible realms. Our departed are constantly telling us, I'm fine up here. This was all agreed upon. I'm free and happy. The divine realms are the easy, fun, loving place. The earth realms are the shattering, hard place. And we have to shift our lens completely to understand it that way. And then to forgive ourselves and everyone around us because we always blame ourselves and many other people when someone we love dies. And as we shift it and we begin to see, wow, my son is telling me that we made this agreement long before the lifetime began for all of us to open our hearts and grow. Ten years from now, that mom is going, now I understand because I am such a better, more loving person and everyone in my family is. And we're so much in tune with our spirit journeys and signs in this divine universe And that only happened from their devastating moment of shattering grief. What are some of the misconceptions that people have about numerology? Mm, Well, 
People go crazy with it. And I have to say, honestly, Jeff, I have quit teaching it many times in my life and just said, I can't go down the rabbit hole with these students. They get lost in the wrong details, you know, like they really start looking at the numbers as God, really. I mean, oh my goodness, it's an eight personal day. And so I should go out and open a new bank account. I mean, they just get so down into the details of it. They really forget. They lose touch with this bigger picture that numbers are just here because our soul needed some signs to help us along the way. Our soul is the high divine presence. God consciousness is the loving presence that runs this universe. Even if you're in a nine personal year, which is all about letting go and surrender, that doesn't mean it's all bad and hard. You're going to have amazing awakenings in that year as well. And the more people study numbers, sometimes they get way deep into, you know, well, I shouldn't move my house because I don't like that street number. Think of it this way. If that's the right house for you to buy and it has this number that you don't really like, it means that's the number of vibration that you're here to learn from and grow from. So when I when my husband Paul crossed one of his shared death experiences to me that was so profound was I had to sell his things and move out of the apartment and and I was staying with a girlfriend and I needed to find my own apartment and I was so devastated with grief and like I told you I wasn't in my body I could barely eat so one morning I got myself out of bed early and I went through the newspaper because that's how you did it back then. And I saw all of these apartments I needed to go look at. And I even had an appointment at one of them at 10 o'clock. And so I got in the car and I like put up this, no, 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 that's not true. I woke up that morning seeing an apartment that Paul had taken me to that night. And it was gorgeous. It had spiral staircase and circular huge tall windows and it was filled with light and I woke up going wow that was beautiful but what's that have to do with me looking for a place to live like okay Paul that was a great dream but now I gotta go face reality of the rental market in Boulder Colorado and so cynical mind left brain logic kicked in so I leave the house and I'm driving towards the first appointment and I happened to pull out right in front of this sign that says apartment for rent. And I tell you, God and Paul said, cross the street and pull right in there. And I did. It was five minutes from where I was staying. And I pulled in and this little boy answered the door and he said, I can't show you the apartment. My mom's not here and she's at work. And in the dream, it was a little boy who had shown me the apartment. And as I'm meeting him, I'm suddenly remembering that. And so I love kids and I didn't want to scare him, but I was like, you know, could you call your mom and ask her if you could show it to me? I had a dream that you were showing me the apartment and he was so sweet. Uh, and his name was Scott and he actually called his mom at work and, and she talked to me and she said, all right, he can show you. And so I walk into this apartment with this little boy at my side. It has a circular staircase, windows, circular, you know, it was exactly the apartment in my dream being showed to me exactly by this beautiful little boy. And so I, of course, ended up living there for 10 years. It was my sacred healing home from Paul, a gift from Paul. And that's what happens in these shared death experiences. That's also where I immersed myself in numerology and studying and learning all of that good stuff. But I forgot what you had asked me before. <laughs> I was asking about the misconceptions that people uh -huh. may have about numerology. So the number of that apartment was the number eight. Oh, that's what it was. I mean, it digited down to an eight. And I remember thinking, eight is about money and career, and I don't know how I'm going to make my living. That's terrifying to me. I've got to figure it out. I only had a couple of months of rent, you know, and no job, and I was going to have to figure it out. I was no longer a mountain climbing instructor for Outward Bound. Clearly, I couldn't do that anymore. And um, so the eighth vibration of that apartment, if I had been in my logic mind, I might have said, ah, it's too much for me. But I went with it because it was my dream. 
And that eight vibration forced me to become a professional writer. And I made my living writing health articles and freelance articles, and then eventually became editor of executive editor of a health magazine. And it was so fun. It brought me back to life, made a great living, ended up making a six-figure income with it. It was such a gift. And that eight vibration of that apartment stirred me up so much that I had to find that. And of course, later I had a reinvention where that work was over and now I trusted myself to survive here. And I was a writer, a professional writer. And then I had my next reinvention. So I knew then that I had to do the work that I'm here to do. And that's my healing work with numbers, intuition and connecting to departed spirits. So would you say that there are no bad numbers? Yes. Thank you for summarizing it that way. Every number has a beautiful lesson for us. And we may think we're not ready for that lesson or we don't want it, but it's absolutely perfect for our soul's growth or it wouldn't be in our life. And that's what's so perfect. You know, ultimately, Jeff, I decided in my late 60s to go back to ministry school. And you have to know I'd lived in an ashram. I'm an intense meditation teacher and student for decades, and I love chanting, and I'm very Hindu and very Buddhist, but I had learned that Unity Church teaches this basic principle that to me feels more true than any of them, that God is a loving consciousness that permeates and runs through this perfectly divine universe, no matter how ugly it can look. This is a God-love infiltrated universe, and it all has our back. It is all helping us grow and evolve, no matter how ugly it can look. And unity has that as their core principle, that that love, God consciousness runs through all of us. To me, that's more true and more beautiful than even what the sacred Buddhists teach or the Hindus or the Theosophists or the Christians. And I love embracing that in my work. It resonates with how I look at the numbers. The numbers are imbued with God consciousness for our highest good. Nothing could be ever bad or wrong about that. Do you think that when you had the shared death experience, you pierced the veil and that gave you the ability to be clairvoyant, claircognizant, and clairaudient. Here's what I know to be true. In my childhood, I tried to shut it down because it was just so scary and my mother didn't like it. I'd come to the table and tell the family about a dream I'd had and then that exact dream would come true down to the last detail. And my mom was French Creole from New Orleans and she was like, that's that's going to get you in a lot of trouble. You need to be practical. You need to be strong. And those were good messages for me because I was not a practical, strong child. I was incredibly sensitive, incredibly intuitive. And um, so I shut down that veil opening as much as I could to learn to survive here. So many of the listeners know exactly what I mean. When you come in as a sensitive soul with great intuition, it is a hard childhood. You get beat up, bumped up a lot. And so you have to decide, how am I going to survive here? And I didn't want to be crazy. I didn't want to be labeled as crazy. I wanted to be strong and I wanted to make a difference somehow. I just knew that even as a kid. So shutting down the veil was my way of doing it until the universe said, well, we're glad you're comfortable on the physical world now. We're glad you're a mountain climber and you know you can be strong in your body. But you remember that agreement we made? It's time for you to see through the veil and trust spirit. And that's when Paul, beautiful, young mountain climbing Paul Cross, followed the next year by my very best childhood girlfriend, Chrissy, who I had loved since first grade. And she had made me laugh every day of my life. We'd grown up as little Catholic girls <laughs> with the nuns getting in trouble with the nuns because we laughed in religion and in church. Chrissy made me laugh so much. And um, she crossed, she was diagnosed with leukemia a few months after Paul died. She actually came to see me. We went skiing 
had a wonderful day. And she fell and had bruises on her legs and we didn't understand what that meant. By the time she got home, um, they took her to the ER and she was diagnosed with very aggressive leukemia. So this was really a pivotal moment for me, Jeff, because Paul had only died six months before and here was my childhood girlfriend comforting me and now she's facing death. And um, spiritual crisis is the word for it because then I'm saying, okay, I'm getting on my feet, I'm studying numbers, I'm believing in spirit. Wait, Chrissy's gonna die a painful death? Uh-uh, I'm out of here. I mean, that was really my human reaction was, nah, I can't do this. And Chrissy took me on a journey with her. And when on the night she crossed, I didn't know she was crossing. I thought she was in remission at a certain point. But one night she was with me all night, laughing her butt off with me, making me laugh in the way only Chrissy could make me laugh until my stomach muscles hurt all night long. And I'd wake up going, wow, I'm with Chrissy. And I'd fall back asleep and she was right there. She was flying me around the realms, showing me things, showing me people we knew. And I woke up going, I was with Chrissy. And then I went, oh no, I was with Chrissy. And I called her mom and she had crossed that night, but she had come right to me to show me that it was joy and bliss as soon as she was out of her body and that laughter was God stuff. Laughter and joy was of the highest God realms. And she had laughed with me all night long. Gosh, Chrissy, I'm still so grateful for that. So in spite of my grief, there were so many magical, beautiful things like this, Jeff, that kept me putting one step in front of the other, you know? In 2015, you had an out-of-body vision. Can you tell us about that? Yes, and if you can, listeners can see this graphic here. My beautiful husband made it for me to reflect the vision that I had. So 2015, I was by that time, I had uh, several books out. I was doing great. My business was great. I was teaching these very powerful workshops, helping people align with their soul mission, connect to their departed for healing, understand what their great work was. I was at a pinnacle of feeling like, okay, I'm on purpose. I've accomplished what I'm here for. And one night, oh, I came back from teaching a grief workshop at this great retreat center in Boston. And, and I was pretty sick. All of a sudden, I had a really high fever. So, you know, 104 fever and and really sick. And one night, um, I'm shown a vision. I'm taken out of my body. It was a real out-of-body experience. And I'm held by these loving guides and angels. I hear their voices. And they're showing me planet Earth. It looked just like this vision. And it had sparks of light popping up from it, filling the entire globe with these radiant sparks of light. And they were showing me how the light was so much stronger than any of the dark crevices left on earth. And they were showing me that every light would spark another light to awaken until the earth was going to be filled completely with light. And I said, what does this mean? And the guide said, the light is always winning no matter how grim things can look and things are going to look grim in the next few years. And they said, but love is always winning. No matter how things look down there, you have to remember the light is always winning and that's what you have to trust. And they poured it into my consciousness with such passion and like, this is your new message. You have to go out and share this. And so when I was getting well, I kept trying to explain to everybody about this vision. And I couldn't even do it. I had to get my computer and start writing about it because I'm a writer. I can't even process something until I've written it. And that vision really became the groundwork for this book, the newest book, Through a Divine Lens, because that book is all about how this vision showed me where the world was going to go. And by the way, the next year, 2016, was the year that politics went insane and have been ever since. And the world really tilted, you know, and 
I have to remind myself now every day that this vision is real and true. The light is still winning. The love is still winning. And we have to trust it because the world has a big tipping point right now. We can call it a birthing crisis. We are giving birth to higher consciousness on earth. The veil, Jeff, is thinning more than ever. And I believe in a few years, the veil will even be gone for most of us. We will be able to see the divine realms, see the spirits as we walk on the physical physical world. Um, as consciousness shifts into this higher frequency, it's it's just like labor and birth. It is incredibly painful. Everything's coming out to be healed. Every little hot, hidden uh, negative emotion or negative person is being brought into the light to be reckoned with and healed and elevated. And I'm amazed we're all still trying because it's been so hard. But whenever I feel that way, I just look at this image and I feel like, okay, we can do this. We are here for the light and we are here for the love. Can we talk a little deeper about how you use numbers to help someone determine their life path? Thank you. You're so good at bringing me back to the point because <laughs> we'll talk about your path now. So before I work with a client, I put my hand on their path as I've calculated it. And I put a prayer out, please divine guides for highest good, bring me the words to say to help this soul move forward and fulfill their soul mission in the most positive, powerful way possible. And then I start automatic writing what comes through. And so if we were doing a session, I would share that with you. But by doing that, now I've opened this portal into your path to really see so you, Jeff, are this gorgeous Gemini 7 path. And what this means is you're an angelic soul from the angelic realms, highly evolved being, very sensitive, but you brought in a brilliant mind to protect you, to keep you safe here, to allow you to be here. The Gemini mind is your friend and your enemy because the, the beautiful brilliance of it makes you good at everything you do. And yet quieting it and centering it through meditation is necessary or it will drive you crazy. I'm sure you know that. And the seven path journey you're on, it means you're such a sacred soul that you never wanted to land down in the mucky muck in this lifetime. You wanted to be above it, whether you were the priest, the analyst, the, the therapist, the radio host, you are analyzing this life from a higher perspective so that you don't have to be down in the mucky muck of it. Perfect for you. And so from there, if I were doing a session, we would talk about where you are in your reinvention cycle. So you're about to move into next year for you is a seven personal year, a year of being in alignment with your life mission. Powerful year, write your books, do your intuitive work. Next year is a very sacred year for you. And this year is a year of healing your body, your home, your heart, your family, love, all that stuff. And also you're about to move into second Saturn return where you're going to be asked to step your work up even more to a higher level. So the conversation would go on and on and on, but only coming at it from the soul to soul awareness that we are all souls on a journey doing the best we can. I can talk to a person who has spent their life in the darkness being angry and blameful, and I can bring them back to remembering their mission, their greatness, their beautiful soul intention, and help them reclaim that to move forward. In meditation, I always tell my clients, if you want to keep doing that, you've got to keep finding 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day to quiet your mind through some sort of silent practice, meditation, prayer, so that you can listen to the higher guidance and not let your monkey mind drive you crazy. So that's how it works. Well, thank you for sharing that with me or sharing me with me. 
What do most people come to you for? Is it like discovering their life purpose or finding a partner or? You know, my first book came out or, or my first big book came out in um, 2008, I think. And that was called I See Your Dream Job because it is so easy for me to help people with career when we base it on the numbers. And I've done that for so long and I'm so good at that. And it's so easy so that was the first book that came out and that just picked up a lot of momentum and it was written about in the New York Times and all that. And I'm still so good at that. I mean, I joke around and say when a client comes to me and says, I've just been fired and I've never had a perfect career, can you help me? And I'm like, in my sleep, I can help you. That's like my greatest easy gift. And so we'll start there. But also grief has been my greatest teacher in my lifetime, and I believe it is all of our greatest teachers. So even back in 2008, when I was working with career clients, I would go, but I feel this female spirit telling you this and that, and that would just come through. And so then my best book, I think, was Bridges to Heaven, True Stories of Loved Ones on the Other Side, and that's where I brought the numbers to understanding grief, understanding your departed's path and what your agreement is and how to use the numbers to lift up above the grief story. And But I still do both kinds of clients. I would say that today about, I don't know, maybe 30 to 40% of my clients are still for career. Like I have a career client later today and I love helping them. But Later after that, I have a beautiful grieving mom who I love connecting to their children. Their children come through so radiant. I mean, I've worked with spirit for decades and there's nothing like a departed child spirit because they want to help their parents. So if you've lost a child, you have to know your child, even up through their 20s, I consider childhood up until you turn 30. All of those beautiful children in the other side are working so hard to wake us up here. They're trying to evolve consciousness and they're on a team together up there, team kids. <laughs> and so they come through with such joy and such profound messages and so many validations. Like when I work with moms, many of them come from a group that if any of you are grieving moms, you should look into. It's a nonprofit called helpingparentsheal.org. It is run by angels, especially this one angel who lost two children. And she devotes her life to helping grieving parents realize their spirit, their children are still here and how to have a new relationship with them. So I get to work with many of those moms. I'm deeply involved with helping parents heal and when I have, for example, tomorrow, I've got this 15-year-old boy on the other side. He's already been coming to me today, showing me his energy, kind of joking around with me like teenagers are so fun, right? They're not going to come in as the ancient soul that they are. They're going to show up as the teenager their mom remembers. So they're going to kid around with me about what I'm wearing. They're going to make me laugh. That's how I feel and validate that, yes, this is your 15-year-old son, and this is how he's joking around with me. And they just like, oh, my God, that's him. But it's not me. It is that beautiful spirit going, I got to help my mom, and I will come back in whatever form it takes for her to realize I am doing great, and now she needs to pep up and move on and get her work done. Do you find that some of your clients, especially in the job realm, resist what you're telling them and saying, that's yeah. not possible. How could I do I this know. job? I have, a, I have a great story about that because when I work with career clients, like I don't shut it off. You know, I'm still talking about their soul mission and their spirit guide says this and that. And here's what their great work is. So this woman, I love her. Uh, hats off to my beautiful friend, Amber. Many years ago, she came to me for career. She, I think she was maybe in her 30s at that point. And she said, I've got this high tech job. I hate it. And I've got to find meaningful work. And so I 
instantly went into her path and I told her about this amazing journey journal uh, journey she was on and in the future she may even be doing intuitive work and and that her son Jagger who was alive was a very spiritual boy even though he wasn't acting like it at the time and that he was her partner in soul growth and I said all this stuff and Amber's like yeah okay and, and then I was also practical and helped her figure out, well, if you're still going to have an ordinary job, here's what you should look for, you know. And she told me that she hung up going, you know, that lady is out there. Like, I don't think I believe any of that. Well, a few years later, I hear from Amber again. This is always typical. And she goes, I've been listening to our recording. Every single thing you said has come spot on. And now my beautiful son, Jagger, crossed accidentally a year ago, and he is with me in spirit every day, and I'm even taking mediumship classes, and I mean, I get tears remembering it, and then I got to work with her again and bring Jagger through, and these kinds of things happen to me all the time, and I just feel like our plot, our life plan is there and if we don't believe it, it's going to happen anyway. <laughs> and so the more we're tuned into spirit, the more gracefully we go along with what we've agreed to. What about helping people find soul partners? <laughs> well, you see, a lot of people don't like my approach to that because it's very different. And what I say about it is you're you're going to probably have more than one soulmate. There's not one ultimate soulmate in this lifetime. They Before the lifetime, we hang out. Like I said before, we're all in a big soul posse together, incarnated in many lives. And people will step forward and say, I love you so much that I'll be, I'll be the bad guy in your life. I'll break your heart. And that'll help me evolve in certain ways that my soul needs. Uh, and you will be devastated by what happens to us, but it will help you grow so enormously that at the end, when we see each other again, we'll know it was all for love. And so many times our greatest heartbreak is a soulmate, even though we want to go, oh, that was a terrible person. What if that person loved you so much they were willing to break your heart so you would go on such an extraordinary growth journey? And then I tell people, yes, you have a certain number path that's going to be your very easy, graceful, beautiful love. But sometimes that path doesn't come in until later in life because you're not ready. You have a lot of growth to go through. And, you know, that was the case for me. My first husband died in my arms and broke my heart wide open. And I know he loves me so much that he went through that with me of course his soul grew in his own way that he was trying he was trying to burn off negativity and anger that he had had in many lifetimes and he burned it away so much in his physical illness he was a glowing being of love by the time he crossed and um Ah, so our soulmate is not like Hollywood says. It's not happily ever after. It's a process of growth and agreement. And, you know, we might have to have a lot of broken hearts before we're really ready for a love that's going to last and be with us. But the numbers do reveal those soul agreements. And I have some numerology people who they won't even date somebody until they get their date of birth and they look at the path and all that and I'm fine with that because I think, yeah, I, you know, there are some certain paths that it's just pure heartache from the get go. And if we can avoid that, then yeah, let's, let's give it a chance. But on the other hand, if it's meant to be, if we have a strong soul agreement with that person, we're going to fall hopelessly in love with them no matter what. <laughs> now, the book that you showed us, the title is Through a Divine Lens. How did you come up with that title? Well, Divine Lens. See, when I woke up from this fever dream, I kept telling people, I realized there's two ways we look at life. One is through the human self, the ego lens, and the other is through the divine lens, where you can see this, the big picture, the, the glowing truth of life. 
um, how do we shift from the human lens into our divine lens? Because we all have that shift. We can all do it. In fact, we have all experienced it when we fall in love. Do you remember that feeling when you first fell in love and your heart was wide open and you saw the goodness and everything? That's your divine lens in action. And then suddenly you get afraid or scared or hurt and you shut it down. You go back into your monkey mind, your ego lens. But the trick is, how do we live here in the midst of pain and struggle and go to our divine lens as often as we can? Well, the answer I have found is you have to meditate every day. I don't care if you're Buddhist, Christian, Hindu, atheist, agnostic. I don't care. You got to sit down and quiet the mind. And if that's 20 minutes of doing nothing, that's okay. But the best easy technique is repeating a Sanskrit mantra because they figured that out thousands of years ago that if you repeat sacred sounds like Om, Om is the sound of God in the divine realms, or my favorite is Om Namah Shivaya. If we repeat these sacred sounds, it raises our vibration, it shifts our energy Ah, the monkey mind comes in and goes, ah, this is a waste of time, get up. But we just go, oh, thank you, thoughts, and redirect back to the mantra, Om Namah Shivaya, and don't struggle, don't put tension in it. And by the end of 20 minutes of gently bringing the mind back to those beautiful sacred sounds, the mind settles down. Now I feel the presence of God in my heart. I feel love. My fingers even feel love energy pouring out of them. I'm now shifted into my divine lens. Now, I don't expect to stay there all day. We're human. It's impossible. But I know how to go there whenever I need to shift up. Sacred practice does that. Also, hiking in nature. I've always lived near nature. I loved Colorado mountains. Now I love Arizona desert. The more we get in nature, the more it quiets the mind and opens the heart. All these sacred practices that have been used for thousands of years to shift into our sacred lens. And our culture is so left brain and logical and denies that we need to stop thinking because they think thinking is God here in this culture. But the opposite is true. Thinking is the enemy of God. We have to quiet the mind and open the heart to know the truth. Haven't you written a whole bunch of books? Yeah. <laughs> like 11 or something? Yeah. Like I said, I can't process life until I write about it. And that has always been true. So when I got my first career as a writer and I was writing about health, it was so interesting because I teach people that our greatest pain is what we are then fueled to do our greatest work about. So our greatest work offers to the world what we wish had been offered to us in our moment of greatest pain. So after Paul and Chrissy died of cancer and they were young and healthy, I wanted to write about how to prevent cancer, how to live a healthy life, how to eat good foods. So I wrote several books about that, including A Mother's Guide to Raising Healthy Children later on when I had a child. Um, I wrote for magazines about natural health. But as I continued that, I was trying to help people not have the suffering that Paul and Chrissy had had. But my soul was going, you got to talk about the soul and the heart, Sue, because people can eat the healthiest diet on earth. But if they have toxic thoughts and a toxic life and they don't believe in anything positive, they're not going to have a healthy life. And so I needed to shift up and bring in the spiritual content as well. And that's when my life shifted up. But all along the way, you can mark every phase of my journey by the books I've written and how I've moved through it. In fact, my first career book was Dancing at Your Desk, just about helping people change their perspective, their vibration about career, look at it in a different way. So yeah, I write in order to process. That's just who I am. <laughs> well, if people want to find your books, do they find them on Amazon? 
Yeah, they can both, they can go to Amazon, look for Sue Frederick, and they can also go to my website, suefrederick.com, and all my books are on there. And my newest book, I'm so excited about coming out in June, um, Through a Divine Lens. And the reason I'm so excited about it is this is the first book that has my soul regression therapy transcripts in it. So I'm also a certified soul regression therapist, so I can take clients on a journey back to a very significant past lifetime and then bring them into the divine realms to process it with their guides, their council of elders, and really understand their soul journey, talk to their departed. They do it. They feel it. They experience it. I'm just the tour guide. And then we come back into the earth and they process it with me. And it's extraordinary. I mean, grieving moms feel that they really smelled, touched, felt, and hold their child while they're there. And they may experience a past lifetime where their child was their husband and see what happened in that life. And suddenly it makes sense why things played out the way they did in this life. And I've shared those transcripts in this new book. And so it's a mixture of these soul regression transcripts with real clients, and then these techniques and tools for quieting the mind and opening the heart for all of us to connect. And it also has numbers and numerology in it. So it's got everything. <laughs> well, after watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? Absolutely. Yeah. And my website has all that contact info. Um, SueFrederick.com is my website. Sue, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Oh, yes. That the minute we open the heart and trust, we just are marinated in so much love from the higher realms. People who loved us, who lo left us, who are in the divine realms, they are our sacred posse. They're available to us 24-7. They're going, look up and ask for help so we can send you love. And the minute we look up and go, oh, help me feel better today. Lift me into the love. Help me to not feel alone and sad or angry or overwhelmed. Ah, that is instantly answered. And that's available to all of you 24-7. And so it is. Sue, thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest. Thank you, sweet Jeff. It's a blessing. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.